HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by Shaxbury Cider. This week on Meet and Three, we bring you stories about the coldest, darkest season. We start in a California vineyard. It's cold, but it's wet, and things are still alive. There's a lot of life in this soil. We explore two frontiers of cocktail culture, luxury ice and the rise of non-alcoholic drinks. The rocks traditionally becomes 25% of your drink's volume, and as such, it imparts smells and tastes. And we investigate the risks facing New York City delivery workers during the harsh winter. In the wintertime, after two hours of biking, it's quite easy, actually, for the bikes to sing upside down or slips or slide. Tune in to this week's episode of Meat and Three. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E for some food for thought to sustain you through the dead of winter. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Elena Santigate. On today's show, we'll be talking about a New York City and cheese industry institution, Murray's Cheese. An OG cheese and specialty food shop, Murray's has transformed dramatically over the past 20 years through innovative growth and strategic partnerships. And I'm excited to dive into the story of how one little cheese shop in New York has become 450 different stores across the country. Founded in 1940, Murray's helped to establish Manhattan's West Village food scene with its flagship store on Bleecker Street. In 2002, the business expanded with a second location in Grand Central Terminal. And then under the first ever Murray's VP, friend of the show and iconic woman in cheese, Liz Thorpe, e-commerce and an education program launched in 2005, and the seeds of a new idea began germinating. In 2008, Murray's and Kroger's launched a test program to bring Murray's cheese kiosks to Kroger's supermarkets outside of New York City. Today, there are 450 of those kiosks. I'll just let that sit for a moment. I mean, whew. My guest today is Lauren Toth, Project Manager of Training and Curriculum at Murray's Cheese. Lauren is in studio with me today, and as regular listeners will know, I'm a total retail geek. I'm thrilled to get a view into how the Kroger pro program operates. Lauren, welcome to Cutting the Curd. Thanks, Elena. I'm so excited to be here. 
So now, though my family shopped at Kroger when we lived in the Midwest, that predated the Murrays-Kroger partnership. And I have sadly actually not been in a Kroger supermarket to see this new model in action. So as we start the show today, Lauren, can you paint the picture for us? Like, let's say I'm a shopper heading over to Kroger for my weekly groceries, and it's a store with a Murray's kiosk inside. What do I see? Absolutely. So it's going to be a little bit different depending on what store you're walking into. Mm. But generally, you're coming in the front store of the supermarket and somewhere within your eyesight is going to be a, um, a specific kind of separate store that is Murray. So we mm. call it a store within a store concept. Ah, like so it. think almost like when you see a Starbucks inside a supermarket. Right. It's the same thing. So we have um, a standalone Murray's within the Kroger supermarket. Mm-hmm. And it, so it's got like Murray's branding and it's kind of got its own I don't know what they call them. Like not I mean I guess it's signage, but it kind of like is a little institution within the larger Absolutely. Store. It's so, more than just like a little area. It's it it's like bigger. Yeah, it has its kind of own footprint, just okay. like a standalone store would. Um, and the sign that you're talking about, there's actually a technical term Ooh, for it. Oh, I wanna that. hear it. I wanna it's hear called it. fascia. A fascia. A fascia? Yes. How do you so, spell that, please? F-A-S-C-I-A. Oh. And that always confused me in the beginning when I first joined this business uh-huh. um, because I know that word to refer to like connective muscle tissue. Yeah, like that, like my myofascial release. Exactly. Trigger point massage. <laughs> exactly. But in the grocery world, it refers to this um, hanging signage mm. that kind of differentiates a specific area. Um, so you would definitely see the Murray's branding kind of coming down from the ceiling and differentiating that space. Okay. Um, we have a, a counter set up um, along with some bulk cheese cases. Okay. Um, and and then by you bulk, would, you mean like co- the coffin style, which would be like a gra- like people can p- exactly just pick a piece of cheese up, a grab and go. Exactly. So we do um, what we call cut and wrap. So mm-hmm. the cheeses have been cut and wrapped, and they're merchandised for customers to be able to pick them up and go on their way. Okay, so they um, don't need to ask for the cheese. They they can just grab a piece. They absolutely don't need to ask. In fact, we have um, an innovation for that in that we categorize all of our bulk cheeses into families. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have things like, um, you know, your cheddars, melting style cheeses, things like that, that mm-hmm. kind of give customers a hint as to what they might do with that so, cheese. So sort of like a wine shop in that sense where you like sometimes you go into a wine shop and sometimes they're done by geography but now and then you find like a quirky shop that will separate wines by like flavor or something and they'll kind of like have that signage so that you can make sense of the room is that what it looks like yeah for sure Hmm. so we know cheese can be really intimidating right when you're kind of outside the bubble of the cheese world um, just like wine or Mm -hmm. beer or things like that it it can be intimidating and a lot to handle for your average customer totally Um, so we're always looking for ways to make it more accessible, less intimidating. And I know for people like me, I love giving customer service, but I never 
think to ask for it. I'm mm. kind of a lone wolf shopper. Figure it out yourself um, kind of style. Yeah, exactly. So for people like that, we want to make sure that we're kind of giving them some breadcrumbs and letting them mm-hmm. figure out the store um, on their own. That said, we have a team of mongers who are absolutely happy to provide customer service and to help them navigate the store and find what they're looking for. So there is somebody staffed at the kiosk most of the time. Yes. Yes. Our stores um, are staffed. Now, some of the stores are open 24 hours a day. um, So the Murray's shops are not necessarily staffed that entire time. Uh, So there'll be different Um, hours for the Murray's shops. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to depend on the needs of that supermarket and that, um, that local community. So let's talk about, you mentioned that they were, that you have some differences store to store. Can you tell us about like two stores that that have those differences and and sort of where that comes from and and the thinking behind those? For sure. So um, we actually have quite a few different formats. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because this program was built over time. We've been working with Kroger for about 10 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, So stores that have been built at different times during that um, time frame are going to look a little bit different. I think it also depends on the communities that they're serving. So some supermarkets themselves are naturally going to be much bigger than others. Um, So I think a really great example to look at um, in terms of one of our large scale stores is one of our stores in Fred Meyer um, is massive. Wait, wait, what's Fred Meyer? I don't know. (laughs) Um, So this is something that some people might not know about Kroger. Some people like me. Um, So In addition to our standard Kroger stores, Uh um, we have what are called banner stores. So these are stores that fall under the Kroger umbrella of ownership, Mm -hmm. um, but they actually retain their original names and the original Mm. um, branding um, under which their chain was first established. So you might recognize some of these names, like in the Pacific Northwest, we have Fred Meyer. Ah, that's um, why I don't know it. Yes, exactly. It's not quite not quite not this really area. my wheelhouse. Um, out in California, we have Ralph's, okay. which people might recognize. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do recognize um, that one. In the Colorado area, we've got King Supers and City Market. Mm-hmm. In Arizona, we have Fries. Hmm. So these um, these chains all roll up underneath the Kroger umbrella. Got it. And um, the Murray's they go by kiosks names. Are, are in those chains as well. Yes. Oh, cool. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Back to your example. So we're in sure. the Fred. So thanks for keeping me honest. Fred Meyer. Yes, Fred Meyer. Meyer. <laughs> I'm going to see my first Fred Meyer store when I go, next go to the Pacific Northwest. I'm going to have a huge moment. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, we have a store out there that is, um, I believe, in the Seattle area, okay. and it's just this amazing, massive store mm-hmm. that has built been built almost as a training facility. So it, um, mm-hmm. in addition to the store itself, there is like a teaching classroom and a studio. Oh, wow. It's got like these gorgeous glass skylights. So it's it's this huge thing. Okay. Um, and we've got a Murray's there. It's one of our busiest shops across the entire country. Mm-hmm. Um, really exciting. 
And then we also have stores that are much smaller than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, they have customers there who are seeking out um, specialty cheese who want to have access to the great products that can be found in a giant store like that. Right. Um, so what we do in that circumstance is we kind of work with the space that we've got. Um, the case that's in a store like that might be much smaller than the one that you would find um, in in some of the larger stores. Got it. Um, we have different fixturing that can kind of be customized to the space constraints mm-hmm. of a given shop. And we kind of work within those constraints to make sure that we're um, we're really bringing in the type of product that's going to appeal to the local customer and um, to the needs of that store. Interesting. So um, what are, are there some elements that are always there that, are, that are, you're just like always going to find in the kiosk? Yes, for so, sure. So tell me about a few of those. So no matter what, you'll always find that bulk case that I referenced. So Got that it. grab and go um, kind of cut and wrap mm-hmm. cheese setup. Um, that's sort of the central underpinning of the entire shop. Okay. Um, beyond that, you'll also always see a dairy wall. So this is going to be an area where you can find all of those really great pre-pack um, cheese and dairy items. So things like your goat logs mm-hmm. or creme fraiche, um, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Got it. So there's always going to be one of those. Do those tend to be fresher products? On the dairy wall? Yeah. So anything that you would classify as the fresh family of cheese being something that's, you know, fewer than two weeks old, uh, doesn't have a rind, something like that. And anything that's going to be pre-packed. Like individually um, packaged by the producer, not by the crew at the kiosk. Okay. Exactly. So you would find that there. Mm -hmm. Um, We always have a grocery element or dry goods. Mm -hmm. So that's where you're going to find your jams, your honeys, crackers, Crackers. things of that nature, dried fruits and Yes. Got it. So you're not just leaving anybody. Nobody is just leaving to, you're not leaving them to find their own accompaniments. You've always got some suggestions. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's really important that we have our team of mongers there. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, those accompaniments can be something new and kind of unsure um, for our customers. So having somebody to be able to explain, hey, this goes really, really well with that cheese that you have in your cart, you know, mm-hmm. blue cheese and honey, classic pairing, got to try it. Right. Um, so we kind of have our mongers to be ambassadors to those products. Are they sampling a lot in the spirit of the specialty, like the smaller specialty shop? Oh, yeah. So tasting and sampling is something that's really important to what we do in our program. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say it's one of the key ways that we're able to show the value of the products that we have. Mm. Um, You know, it's an interesting challenge if you think about it when you open a specialty grocery store uh, within an, or I'm sorry, a specialty cheese shop within in um, an existing supermarket, right? You it generally causes one of two reactions. So you have the customers who are super excited that mm-hmm. now they have access to all of these amazing products and they want to try everything and talk to you and ask questions. Right. And then you have kind of the other end of the spectrum where there are customers who are like a little bit suspicious mm. and, you know, their their primary interaction with cheese to date has been like 
pre-packed cheddar in the dairy aisle. And they think, oh, maybe you're just here to jack up the prices on them. Yeah. Um, So sort of the first thing that we can do to start winning over that customer is to get a bite of cheese Mm. and maybe some crackers and maybe some honey or some jam um, into their mouths and let the product speak for itself. The universal first move of a cheesemonger. Of course. It just works. Of course. It's the go-to tactic. (laughs) But sometimes that is not enough on its own. Um, So what's really important is our mongers have been trained to be able to deliver some education and information Mm -hmm. along with that delicious bite. So they're explaining what makes the product so special. Who is the producer who's making that product? Or, you know, is it particular to a certain country's culture. Right. Um, All those because that, that wonderful kind of details. Fleshes out a full story. So how are you okay, so so you've got at this point four hundred and fifty kiosks Just to kind about. of like zoom mm-hmm. out. Um and Murray's is Murray's based here in New York City, based in Long Island City, is uh, you're managing the training of all of those? Yes. So we have a training and curriculum team, Mm -hmm. and we're kind of the central hub who's developing training programs and kind of deploying them. Mm -hmm. But none of that could be done without what we call our national team. Okay. So we have a group of almost 20 um, what we call Murray's Cheese Specialists. Mm -hmm. So they are our boots on the ground Hmm across the country. Um, so these individuals live in the different divisions um, right, so they're where we operate these Spread stores. throughout the country. Exactly. They're like the Murray's Cheese Rangers or something. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So I like that. Like I think I'm going to start implementing that. Cowboy boots, maybe, or something <laughs> like that. So they travel around. They're kind of like your... I mean, I, I've done... Uh, you know, wholesale sales. And it's like, it's almost, it's similar to think of it like a sales team that goes around kind of checking on the stores, checking on their product. But in this case, those folks are checking on sort of like the quality of the operations and supporting everybody in the kiosks with info and exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of, it's actually a very multifaceted role. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it kind of marries together that training, Mm -hmm. the ongoing support, just checking in with the store teams. I know a lot of our, our um, team members Mm -hmm. are on group texts with um, what we call cheese masters. So that's kind of the person who is in charge of each Murray's shop. Okay. Um, So so there's one cheese master per kiosk per per shop. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, so they do a lot in the way of training and support and, um, you know, helping with merchandising. Mm -hmm. They're kinds of jacks of all trades in that way. Very interesting. And how much are they on the road? Those 20 people? A lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, so each person has kind of their own territory that they manage Mm -hmm. and it can really vary depending on what territory you're in. Um, I think going back to Fred Meyer that Mm -hmm. we were talking about. Um, so we have a number of stores in like clustered in the Pacific Northwest, but we also have six stores out in Alaska. Whoa. Yeah. Six? Yeah. Six stores. I guess there were that many. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. And so my colleague who is in charge of that territory, Mm -hmm. not only is she spending time visiting through um, all of the urban stores and fighting that Seattle traffic, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, but she is also flying out to Alaska to check on and provide support for um, for the stores out there. So wow, that seems like a fun territory. I like that one. Wow. I'm excited to hear more about the training, actually. But first, we are going to take a quick break. And we'll be back in just a moment with more about Murray's Cheese and its Kroger program. 
This episode is brought to you by Shaxbury Cider, who believe cider can be daring, complex, and eminently drinkable. Located in Vergennes, Vermont, Shaxbury make a broad offering of ciders, from the bright and fruity rosé to inventive, small-batch wild apple fermentation. Each fall, Shaxbury takes to the hills of Vermont to forage for the wild and forgotten fruit that make up their lost apple project. Shaxbury, producer of the first American-made Pet Nat Cider, continues to experiment every year with limited-edition ciders designed to spotlight locally foraged fruit. To learn more, visit Shaxbury.com or follow them on Instagram at Shaxbury. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm Elena Santigate, and I'm here, in, I'm here with Lauren Toth of Murray's Cheese. So we, before the break, we were talking about training and this uh, crew of what I'm now calling cheese rangers all across the United States, which like, I just love it. I want to go st- shadow one of them for a week. Um, you mentioned that there's like stores in Alaska. There are stores, uh, you know, in basically all regions, right? Um, how, how do the product selections change? From region to region. Because um, I assume you they're not cookie cutter, but do you have some, like, does each kiosk, does each cheese shop have some flexibility in their selection? And how much do your cheese masters work with, you know, Murray's HQ to, to make those decisions? Sure. So there's naturally going to be some balance in the way that the product sets are managed in these stores, knowing mm-hmm. that they're all over the country. So we generally, um, we centrally organize the ordering process Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the overall inventory that we carry in these stores. Um, So we do that through a partnership between our our executive team here in New York, Mm -hmm. as well as we have a dedicated category manager in Kroger. Um, He's in Cincinnati, where the Kroger headquarters are. Mm -hmm. So they work together to really determine what that product set is and the mix of different items that are in there. Um, and when you're looking at the products that I think of it in kind of two separate pieces. Okay. So first we have what we think of as our core set. So these are items that you can find in any Murray store that you walk into, whether it's in Arizona or Alaska or Atlanta. Right. Um, the backbone of your selection. Yeah, exactly. And they're the things that, you know, we know our customers have their favorites and we want them to be able to have a consistent experience no matter where they are. What are a couple of cheeses in that corset? Ooh, um, so Gruyere is a great example. Mm -hmm. Our Murray's Gruyere um, is going to be in every store that you go into. Classic. Um, Our Murray's Irish Cheddar is going to be something that you see everywhere. And actually, um, that's a good point. The... um, our private label Murray's items are generally going to be available no matter what store you walk into. That's kind of core to um, who we are and, and what we're excited to be getting into our customers' hands. Right. Um, So that's, that's the core set that we're looking at. Um, And then beyond that, we know that our customers a lot of times have connections to their local products and their local producers. Mm -hmm. And we are all about that. Um, We want to support that local connection. Um, So each of the divisions that we have across the country, uh, they work with our category manager to identify the local products and producers that are really important to them and to their customers. And those get integrated into the product sets as well. Got it. And do you have like, do you have a, an example or two about like what those cheeses might be? 
the local ones. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Colorado, I think, is a great example. They mm-hmm. have a ton of local producers. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I'm thinking off the top of my head. Um, I believe, is it Avalanche mm-hmm. Creamery? They yeah. carry some of their products. Um, oh, up in the Pacific Northwest, they have an increased access to um, Rogue or... Mm-hmm. Uh, Features. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's fun for me looking at everybody's product sets. I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. Like you have that. Have I don't that have that cheese. here. Interesting. Um, yeah. Very interesting. And how often does that product set change? Um, I would say it's it's pretty seasonally driven, mm-hmm. um, especially like when it comes to holidays and things like that. Um, that corset is really made up of the classics and the heavy hitters. So right. that's not something that, um, that we really see a ton often. of turnover in mm-hmm. except to introduce new products. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, beyond that, we definitely have some seasonal specialties. I think the holidays are a great example. That's, um, when we're going to be, um, seeing, you know, just some more exciting, entertaining focused cheeses, things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm still like super, I, I don't know. I, I, I had a great cheese season this holiday season. <laughs> I feel like I just, I took advantage of like every special cheese I came across. Um, nice. I'm jealous. <laughs> you, you too can do this, Lauren. <laughs> I think you have access to some cheese. <laughs> just a bit, just a bit. So now that we've painted the picture a bit and considering like the remarkable transformation that's happened to the business over the past two decades, can you give us any sense of your vision for the program and maybe even some goals? Like what are you aiming for at this point? Like with that kind of, of exposure and breadth, you know, what, what are the driving forces behind the Murray's Kroger program? I think the single most driving force behind the program is the idea of increasing accessibility Mm. to cheese and specialty products in places throughout the country where they might not have access to that product. So introducing new and exciting cheeses that are kind of rare and unusual. And not only that, but really helping the customers in that area to understand the value and what is special and unique and exciting about those products. Right. Um, And I think education plays a really important role in that Mm -hmm. um, because our store teams would not be able to communicate that value and really do justice to those amazing products that we're carrying. Mm. if they were not first, um, you know, really helped to understand Right, all of exposed those to ideas. it themselves in a way, right? Absolutely. So I know you guys send a crew of folks to the American Cheese Society conference every year to take the uh, certified cheese professionals exam. How does that play into like the bigger training program? Is this some, I mean, it's kind of neat to think of that, you know, I think we tend to think of a supermarket employee you know, as like the job is pretty straightforward, there's definitely like a sense of community that's possible, but like in terms of professional development, you know, I, I'm not sure what that reality would look like without something like a Murray's program. So are, do you find that in that crew of people you're sending to ACS, you're sending Kroger people, are you sending people from the New York shop? Tell me a little bit about how you guys 
prep for that. Yeah, for sure. So this program is near and dear to my heart because it's something that I work very closely on. The CCP Um, training program? Yes, the CCP training program. Um, So to answer your question, every year we send a mix of folks both from the Kroger stores as Mm -hmm. well as from our team in New York. Cool. Um, And, you know, what that makeup looks like is going to be different every year. Do you have a maximum number of people that... We it don't sort of changes. Year we don't. To year. It changes year to year. Huh. Um, uh, roughly, how many people do you know? You know, it's really hard to predict that because it's kind of changed over the years. Right. We we sent a lot of people um, in the very beginning, so that kind of um, yeah, like get momentum going and get get them sort of spread out throughout. Yeah. The world of Murray's. Yes, exactly. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, you were talking about the vision before. Like, I think building that cheese community, mm-hmm. um, building it up even further around the country is also part of, you know, what we're doing here mm-hmm. at Murray's. So the CCP program is really important as part of that. Um, I kind of think of it as like a continuing education opportunity for our team members. Yeah. So when we open new stores, we have kind of a very um, basic set of trainings that we always do to um, empower our mongers and to get right. them up to speed and ready to deliver the customer experience so like that if, we expect. If for anybody who's working in the cheese shop, they're going to go through you know this this sort of like these training sessions or something like that this a specific training program but that's different from the CCP yes okay so they are kind of two different beasts okay so we've got the standard set of trainings that everyone is doing mm-hmm. but um, the certified cheese professional exam is a tough exam I've taken it mm-hmm. I passed it I can testify to you that it is tough yes I just got my recertification in the mail I was like yes. Oh, so exciting. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. It's, CCP. I'm, my main anxiety these days is like forgetting to recertify because I've had mm-hmm. to recertify twice and I'm like, I need to make sure that I keep track of this. Right. Yeah. You need to like set a reminder on your calendar. I know. Will I use the same calendar three years from now? I don't know. The world may never know. Maybe it's two years. See, I don't even know. Okay, go on. Okay. Um, so yeah, so we have the standard set of trainings and then um, for those who are interested and who feel like they have the time to dedicate to studying for such a complicated mm-hmm. exam, we have this opportunity to participate in Murray's training program. Okay. So we run um, a 16-week course internally for our wow. staff to wow. prepare them um, and to really kind of set those expectations for what the exam is going to be. So we kind of we liken that training course to being like a college-level yeah, of course. it's like a semester, a serious yeah, endeavor. It really and is. Can anyone take that? Like, how, who gets to to participate in that sixteen so week course? We have an internal application process oh, that okay. we run um, because we want to make sure that people are really prepared for mm-hmm. the challenge that is studying and dedicating all of that time to the exam. Right. And you know, we want to make sure people are set up for success, and that when they're going out for that exam, that they're really feeling ready. Right, that they've met certain criteria and they've like, you know, can kind of take that next step. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if we think of it as a continuing education opportunity, mm-hmm. 
this is really a way for people to um, kind of get past that mongering stage and mm. start to think about building a, a more developed career in cheese. Mm. I think this is a really great way of starting to introduce the idea of all the different aspects of the cheese industry mm-hmm. and things beyond just working in a retail environment. It helps to kind of like peel back the layers and yeah. give people a more enriched understanding. Have you had any, um, you call them cheese masters, your, yes. your cheese shop staff? Have you had any cheese masters who originated on the Kroger side but have kind of... Ha- have gone on a career path within the whole realm and wound up more on like as part of the Murray's HQ team or do you, does yeah, that happen? We definitely have um, hmm. actually that national team. So our, the Rangers, our Rangers okay. um, that I mentioned actually several of those team members started out as cheesemongers or cheese masters in our Kroger stores. Hmm. They kind of worked up through the ranks, um, really demonstrated um, a really uh, an, a passion and excellence for what they were doing. And now they are working on our team, helping to cultivate the next generation of mongers. Nice. Um, that's exciting. That's, that's cool to think of like just the, like the opportunity of, and the uniqueness of that kind of a role is, is fun to open up to like a country full of, supermarket staff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so right? many people would never even think, um, myself included, would never even think that cheese could be like a career. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to help kind of shine a light on that for right. people is Can be really a, exciting. A big aha moment. It's always fun to like help somebody have that moment, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. So my next question, I'm going to give our listeners like a little bit of context for my next question. So in, in 2012, Kroger acquired 40, and Lauren, correct me if I'm wrong on any of these stats. Um, but in 2012, Kroger acquired 49% of ownership of Murray's cheese. And then in 2017, Kroger purchased the equity of Murray's and the Bleecker Street store. Um, so this is like a trend we've seen happen in the cheese industry over the past few years. Emmy bought Cowgirl Creamery in 2016. Landa Lakes acquired Vermont Creamery in 2017. And Savencia partnered with Rogue Creamery just last year. So I'm curious about like how, how has like big retail influenced the Murray's approach now that the companies have merged? Um, or like to flip that, how has Murray's had an impact on Kroger, you know, in their approach to retail, food retail in general? Yeah, I think it definitely works both ways. Um, For us, especially uh, members of the national team who are really focused on the stores out in Kroger, Mm -hmm. it was really exciting when our merger went through because it kind of gave us a little bit more access um, to all of the systems and operations and ways of doing things. Interesting. Like I could see how maybe before it was like, you had maybe like a, a bridge or a funnel of contact. And then when it's like a merge, it did right. that, now, you, you found that that kind of like opened that. For sure. Floodgate. Now we're officially mm. part of the family. Right. Um, and so it just kind of makes everybody's lives a little bit easier on the day to day. It's easier to get things done mm-hmm. in that respect, um, for sure. And what's been interesting is that in New York, I think our operations have pretty much stayed very much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've kind of kept our spirit. Yes, if you look the, spirit at, uh, is, the spirit is alive at Murray's yes. Cheese, folks. <laughs> if you haven't so. been in a while, don't worry. It's 
this the same energy as like I feel like the time I went in first and 15 years ago is like I went in just a few weeks ago and it's like oh oh Murray's I it's still here <laughs> yeah absolutely and it's um it's really exciting to feel that I was in our classroom um, above the the retail space mm-hmm. recently and I walked outside and they were like blasting some I think it was like guns and roses or something and I was like oh Yes, this is life. Um, so yeah, it's been really nice that we've kind of developed that access mm-hmm. and um, kind of been inserted into the Kroger family, but without losing what makes our New York stores special mm-hmm. and unique. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at our mission, one of the things that we highlight is staying true to our neighborhood origins. Yeah. And that's something that we're really passionate about and really live by. And it's been nice to see that remain constant. Interesting. As part of the training program, do you have any type of like pilgrimage to New York that you do for your people who are farther flung, who may have never saw the the mothership? We do. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really exciting. I'm actually, I work very closely with that. So um, every time we open a new store, Mm -hmm. we bring the leadership of that store team and sometimes their like district leadership. We bring them out to New York so they can have a taste of like the Murray's experience and what we call meet Murray's. Okay. Um, So they come out, they enjoy dinner at our restaurant. They get a taste of Murray's hospitality hospitality. They spend a day and a half in our store, um, Mm -hmm. in the classrooms above our store, kind of watching how things operate on the daily, um, getting to see how we handle merchandising Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And it really gives them a feel for what it is that we're trying to recreate in their stores. Because at the end of the day, the way that we do things in our Murray's shop in Kroger is a little different than the way you would classically do things in a supermarket setting. And so sometimes it's a little weird and different and uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. so we want people to understand this is where we're coming from. This is the experience that we're trying to bring to your customer. It also helps, I, I feel like, for people to see it working. It's hard to like to to try something they've ne- that you've never seen before, and if there is an example out there of it working, then that can really help. I imagine, right? Absolutely. So, how many of those? I mean, you. I guess your growth has changed year to year, but like roughly, how many of those trips are you? Are you hosting a year? Um, it really depends on the year. I think yeah. in the last year we did somewhere in the in the realm of twenty. Yeah, something like that. Wow, so fun! So, yeah, but it's a real treat for the groups. Yeah, you know, everybody gets to have that real New York experience. A lot of times um, we have guests who have never been to New York before. Mm. And that for me is really important because I want to, you know, correct any misconceptions that might be out there (laughs) about New Yorkers. (laughs) Yeah. And kind of show people what's cool and exciting and fun about this city. Has there been any particular store or region that surprised you at Murray's for how much of a success or like how well embraced the cheese shop was? Oh, I think it's hard to like very specifically point to yeah. one store or one region because I think we're pretty consistently surprised mm-hmm. with all of our stores. Um, Where you was know, the first store? So the first store was opened in the Cincinnati area. Okay. As I mentioned, that's where Kroger, Kroger's headquarters HQ. are. Got exactly. It. So Makes when, sense. Yes, 
Um, so when we first started um, our partnership with them, we launched three test stores to just kind of figure out the concept, Smart. see if it was like a thing that could even work. Right. Um, and so those stores were all opened in the Cincinnati region. Right. Um, okay. And then after it took about a year or so that we kind of assessed what was going on there. And after that point, Kroger ordered about 50 more stores. So over the next few years, that's when we started branching out into different areas of the country and really figuring out like what this store within a store concept was, Mm. how it worked, how you scale it up, how you train people, that sort of thing. Great. Well, as we get to the end of our episode... I'd love to shed light on the entrepreneurial approach that you obviously have too. Like we haven't talked about sort of like the spitfire grit that's required for all of this, but like, would you say there's an inherent spirit that enables the team at Murray's to think big, or is it like more of a hard operational skill? Like, do you guys just have crazy organized systems? Like what can you point to in terms of like, how did this happen? So you hit the nail on the head in talking about grit. And oh, I thought you were going to say we've got a really great computer <laughs> software. Well, <I> know. <laughs> um, no, I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to grit and resilience. And yeah. I kind of think of it as that like scrappy can do spirit. Mm-hmm. Um I, I actually have a funny story about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is almost like an urban legend within Murray's, but I swear it's oh, I like, actually I legitimately like true. Okay. Um, so the night before we opened our very first test store mm-hmm. in Cincinnati, um, we sent out a team of three different people to kind of oversee that setup and opening process. Mm-hmm. And so they had cut and wrapped tons and tons of cheese. The case was full. The merchandising was all set up. Everything looked beautiful. And they discovered that not a single product was scanning no, through the registers at no. the front end. The barcode versus scanner war. Right. We all know that. Oh. Um, so that was kind of a nightmare. But, you know, I think that's a great example of where that scrappy, like, okay, just figure it out, get it done sort did of attitude came in. in. Time? They did. They figured out who was the person who could be in charge and, like, <laughs> help them to figure their way through that system. And wow. they got that person. They pulled an all-nighter. Oh, yes, I'm um, sure. And the next day, the grand opening was beautiful. Amazing. So, Wow, yeah. that's an inspiring story and good to remember. <laughs> it's like it, you, you got to start somewhere and success doesn't necessarily mean that there weren't any hiccups along the way. Right? No, it just means that you masked them very well. Right. You've done so well that people have forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to ask you a fun question at the end Ooh. of the show. This is like, I like to try fun little bits on the, on the uh, show and I'm getting creative. And so I have the idea to ask you, what was the last cheese that you ate? Ooh. Um, hmm. So <laughs> I have <laughs> I have two answers to this question. Love it. Neither of which I am proud of. Love I'll it even honest. more. I think you should be any cheese that's you're going to eat. You you know. Okay, let's just hear it. Okay, so if you're asking like legitimately. Any any form of cheese. Mm-hmm. I had some boursin stirred into spaghetti squash at lunch today. That sounds. It was an experiment. Actually, good. How it was, was it? Awesome. Was it good? It was awesome. I want to eat nothing but that forever. So the squash was warmed. 
Mm-hmm. And then the borzan kind of mm-hmm. melted. All right. And I hey. put some kale for a good measure. Hey, know? this sounds good. Lauren, <laughs> I'm I'm supportive of this lunch. Okay. So there was that. And then if we're talking about like the last piece of yeah, cheese. Yeah, like what hunk of cheese did you last nibble on? <sighs> oh, I know. <laughs> I had string cheese for breakfast. <laughs> I like to think of myself as an equal opportunity cheese eater. You know what? It's it's like perfectly portioned. It's easy. It's a good on the go. On the go. You know? I listen, I slip it in my coat pocket. Judgment free zone here. <laughs> it sounds like you started Thanks. your day with protein. You probably have a good amount of energy right now. Indeed. All right. I love it. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for shedding light on the Murray's cheese world for us. It has been really great chatting with you. And I'm excited to make a little pilgrimage to Kroger now. I got to get out there. Yeah, we got to change that. We'll get you out. Okay, good. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. For any Murray's Cheese Kroger customers out there, it would be super fun to see photos of your local cheesemongers, cheese masters, and their kiosks. We will happily retweet and regram. So send those over on Twitter or Instagram at Cutting the Curd. Or shoot us an email at cuttingthecurd at heritageradio.org. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with more Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, Subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family and become a member. Thanks for listening.